I'm TJ Walsh, and you're listening to the Bold Creatives Collective podcast. Take a front row seat to hear conversations with successful musicians, producers, actors, visual artists, designers, directors, marketers, and more, and learn about their perspectives and approach to leadership, creativity, innovation, and growth. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bold Creatives Collective podcast. I am so excited today because I get to talk to the Monkey Boys, and they... I had no idea, guys, like who you were until a mutual contact of ours said, you got to talk to these two guys because they're doing amazing work and a lot of people will get a lot from them. Um, And then I went to your site and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, they designed the Segway jazzy scooter thing for Melissa McCarthy to drive around on and then all these other all these other puppets and things for so many different shows and event and well shows that we all see. So um, I'm like, man, so I do kind of know them, but um, not really. So I'd love for you, Mark and Michael to say hi and give us an idea <laughs> of who you are, what you're about. And then we will just see where the conversation goes this morning. Sure thing. Hey, I'm Michael Latini, uh, one of the co-founders of Monkey Boys Productions. Um, I focus a lot on the running of the company, but also in the nitty gritty of the design of how things get figured out and made here at Monkey Boys. Um, I come from a background. I went to an art school, went to Tyler School of Art for nice. jewelry medals and computer-aided design. Um, but then late in my time there, right around my junior year is when I realized that puppets, puppetry is, was a maybe viable pathway for a career. Okay. You just kind of decided that on your own that like, man, there's these things called puppets and I think like, I like them and I'm all about it. A little bit. Like I had grown up in the eighties and nineties. So there were so many amazing puppet things like Sesame street Muppets. Uh, Praggle Rock, Jaws, yeah. Jurassic Park, Star Wars, like all these films, television, all this media with that had tons of puppets in them, whether or not we knew them or not. And then I learned enough about the industry as like a fanboy to realize that there were people that had the job called puppeteer that were performing these things. And I had grown up doing both technical theater and performance on stage. Nice. So okay. for me, it was just, it was almost a light bulb moment while I was performing on a show because I used a puppet in a show I was in as a joke. And it like just kind of clicked like, oh, wait, I, I could say I want to do this. And yeah. Wasn't that I always, did. that's yeah. often how it goes, right? Like, you know, the things that we're like joking around with or, you know, we're not very serious with all of a sudden turn out to be like a passion that becomes our right. life's kind of kind of focus. So I think we should all be a little bit more aware of like what we're doing before we do it or else we're going to get stuck with something in a little while. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm luckily privileged enough that I had parents that supported me to to like explore it and also then was able to get a job right out of college in the industry too, which is super helpful to continue a path for sure for yeah. sure awesome and mark is that a, is that a similar kind of journey to you uh, or did you definitely take it similar I, I took a little more meandering way um i'm mark petrosino uh i am head of puppetry at monkey boys productions and one of the co-founders and uh i tend to have, handle more of the performance elements here at the company but also uh input on design and whatnot and how we run the 
run this madness. Um, I I had grown up like Mike watching Fraggle Rock and Muppets and Sesame yeah. and whatnot, and loved practical things like that. Um, but I had realized early on that there were only about eight people, <clears throat> excuse me, that got to do the majority of the puppetry. So I was like, mm. I love this, but I don't think there's any way to actually get a job doing this. Yeah. So I pursued another passion, which was science. And I originally went to school for marine biology. Um, okay. But uh, kind of like you were alluding to, got halfway into it and realized it wasn't what brought me as much joy as I had hoped uh, mm -hmm. and transferred to uh, Ithaca College where you can create your own major. And uh, I designed a puppetry degree there, pulling from their theater and film and, and uh, music departments and whatnot. Um, okay. And and like Mike, I was lucky that my parents didn't murder me when I switched uh, degrees midway through and walked away from a scholarship, basically, to go right. pursue this, you know, doll wiggling career. Yeah. Um, uh, and then got out of school and again, had family support to help it, you know, when I was in the, the meager times bartending and doing whatever else, uh, right. so that I wouldn't be out on the street. Um, and, you know, got lucky, got opportunities and, uh, took advantage of them. So, yeah. And then here you are, you have this thing, you just moved into a new, a new warehouse, a new facility, fabrication studio, yeah. and you just have stuff coming in left and right. And you guys are usually on pretty tight timelines now, right? Like turn around. Yeah. So I, I can just, I can't imagine, you know, you guys as, as college kids, new grads, like thinking that this is where you were going to, to necessarily end up. Definitely. I was not, um, we, we, I don't think either of us, uh, thought we would be business people. Um, but by uh, necessity, we have become such. Uh, yeah. My mom likes to say we earned our MBAs through mistakes. Yeah. Um, just over the years, trusting things or not knowing about things and learning the hard way. And uh, now we're at the point where we know, oh, this should be handled by an attorney and we should have a production manager to handle this. And we need to be have safety precautions for X, Y, and Z. So um, it's 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 definitely an, definitely an evolution. Um, but it has fulfilled, in essence, our dream of wanting to be able to work in the industry and do so by creating our own work to some extent. Even though we're generally building for clients, we're right. getting the chance to perform and create something. Um, so we're, we're very lucky. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I was just like listening to you say like we or I guess you hearkening back to your mom saying, you guys got your MBA through through making mistakes. And I think that that's how a lot of us figure stuff out. Um, and I was just talking to somebody else uh, about the importance or what should be important in school, in art school, especially learning a little bit about the reality of what it's like to make your work professionally right it's not all about you know the the product that you're putting out there it's all this more mundane stuff that you have to do that will allow you to to get that work and so i don't think it's until we're out at least it wasn't for me until i was out of school when i realized like 
oh man, I probably should have been paying a little bit more attention to that professional practices class or something right. like that. Because yeah, all of a sudden I'm like dealing with taxes and attorneys uh-huh. and you know, yeah. it's, it's important. It's almost like half the work to yeah. do what you want to do is not what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, how we, do you guys, how do you guys, you know, grapple with that? Because I'm sure it's so much more interesting to be, you know, up on a Wednesday and getting like a brief from a show that we all watch and <laughs> having to turn it around and really, and really like be creative and make something out of nothing, but also knowing that you have to run a business too. Like how do yeah. you balance all of that? So we've been growing over the path. So we started the company in 2006 and probably from about 2006, what to like 2000. 15, 15 or 16, it was a part-time company. We would get a gig, hire a crew, build some puppets. Um, the only thing that was really full-time during that time was the, the, the set of Little Shop Pars puppets that we had that we were renting out. But it was still, we would, we would, whenever they were renting out, we would make sure they were ready and we would send them out. And then otherwise, we were all working as like, um, I would work with my dad in home remodeling. Mark was doing performance work on the side. I was also doing performance work. It was a little bit of a little bit of everything to fill the bills. I went on tour performing a few times. Mark did as well. Um, but then come come 2015, 16 is when we first got the call from Saturday Night Live to rent our little shop puppets. Actually, okay. Um, so during that. 10 years of part-time work, there was a lot of learning about how to run a business. And luckily, because we were slow, we didn't have to, there, there wasn't as much of a rush to make sure everything was organized and set up about how to run a business. So it was almost like we eased into the craziness that we're in now, where we're a company that has 30 employees right? and we have an HR department and project manager and production manager, like all these other administrative people to help us figure out the things that we slowly figured out during our slow time. Back then. Yeah. So, I mean, it's almost like the advice is that don't worry that work is slow right now. You're the time is you're, you're, you're getting the time you need to figure out what it means to run a arts business. Yeah. Not all art. It's like easier to, or it's better to like move, move slowly almost. Right. So that the mistakes are maybe, are maybe a little smaller and, and you're not right. Like having a whole disaster where 30 plus people are are relying on you. Right. Yeah. I almost feel like, I mean, I was going to say, I almost feel like if you're growing too quickly, there's a higher chance of failure. Yeah. And to a catastrophic failure, not just the failures that we are meant to have to learn from. Right. Right. Yeah, we've we've had a number of colleagues who have started similar companies who have unfortunately their companies have either collapsed or become smaller because they they grew so fast and then they hit some horrible issue and it was unsustainable. Um and it's again, we were lucky that we had the pace we had um to to learn those things and find the right people and you know, uh, and grow. We've, we've in, in also to your initial question, the, to the way we've kind of found balance is 
there's the reward at the end of all the administration um, that kind of lets us push through that because none of us want to be doing all the paperwork and all of the meetings and all of the the headaches and decision making. Um, you know, there there are thrills sometimes within those, but generally it's all kind of uh, eating your vegetables to get to the ice cream. You know, right. because we because of these jobs, we get to go and perform at Thirty Rock several times a year, and we get to go and make trips to wonderful cities and even if it's just for installation we still get to go travel and enjoy those things um and even here we get to be our own bosses which is weird you know and and fun um and and create a a work environment that we enjoy and that hopefully our employees enjoy too um instead of being under the yoke of you know whatever corporate nonsense yeah yeah so it's like even though there's all of the the required work, the structures that allow you to do that, it's still it's what allows you to have fun and play and you know and design your own reality, right? And experience in life instead of having to go work for somebody else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I hear that patience and like I mean, you've used the word luck a number of times. We were we were lucky that, you know, we grew at the pace that we did, or we're lucky that we got a call from, you know, from Saturday Night Live when we were um, slow. Mm-hmm. You know, I think luck is a thing, right? There are, there are, there are people who run into, run into, you know, good luck and they benefit from that but i only but i do believe that it's only a a portion of the Mm -hmm. overall reality of how you grow a business that is sustainable and gets gets breaks i mean there are other absolutely involved there what would they be for you um uh, just being prepared um and having experience um yeah i don't mean to discount uh, the hard work that right. we put in and that our employees have put in. Um, we we're lucky to have the opportunity, but then we had to make sure we had the skill sets and the willingness to to take risks in order to take advantage of those opportunities. I mean, there is some pure luck in it. Like with SNL, they called us the first time to rent our little shop set. Yeah. And they called us on a Wednesday and our puppets had just returned on like Monday or Tuesday. Had they called the week before, they wouldn't have been available and that door would have opened and shut quicker right. than you could say Little Shop. Um, right. But the fact that we knew how to build those puppets and knew uh, how to manipulate them and and make them well, uh, in no small part because of Marty Robinson, who originally designed those, uh, he lent us his designs, um, that allowed us to go up there. And even though the sketch got cut, we could say when they asked us, oh, you built these. Can you build that? Can you build one of these? Could you build a breakaway version of this? And we're like, sure. I mean, up until that point, we had been predominantly a, a puppet company. Um, but in being at, at, at 8H there, we realized, oh, we can apply the same skills and materials and knowledge to make props and practical effects and all these other things. And that's when we really start ex- started to expand as a company. Okay. Being willing to, to see a broader or wider, wider possibilities for what you can do. Expand where we can apply our skills um, so that we could make 
more money so that we could hire more people pretty much more creatives okay. i mean the the thing we i often use the term luck for for something that is more like uh the reason we got that call is because we were kind to someone else on another job and they liked us and then they recommended us like that's often the luck that we're talking about is just being kind cool people and then other people talk telling other people about you kind of right Right. I, I, that is something that I talk with my artists about a lot and people who want to expand their, their reach. Mm-hmm. Right. Oftentimes we think we have to, we have to push and push on our own. Right. And do it all on our own and we're going to make it and we're going to like, you know, just blast through those, those walls and barriers on our own. But that's not how, that's not how life and human beings work. Right. We are so much more interconnected and interdependent on one another. And if we're just assholes to, you know, the person that we meet at an event or at a show or something, you know, that's not going to that's not going to help us. Right. But it's the relationship that you cultivate. Right. Like, yeah. Saturday Night Live called you. They rented your puppets. You were lucky to have them back from the other stuff that they were doing. Right. And then the sketch got cut and you didn't air but you had started to have a relationship then that you could nurture and that you could cultivate mm-hmm. right had you been like well that sucks you cut my you cut my sketch that we just rented to you and what are you doing um or something like that they would be like all right sign R. we're not going to mm-hmm. we're not going to play with you guys again Right. And that plays out over and over again. I mean, so much of this industry, like you're alluding to, runs on connections. And uh, we've watched people self-destruct because they were, like you said, they were just a-holes to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we we understand having a bad day, but you know, there's a way to handle that and deal with that without throwing it on other people, especially strangers um, or colleagues. So uh, yeah, we've been... I don't want to say lucky. I keep wanting to say lucky, but <laughs> you can use um, lucky. Uh, I understand now. I think we understand more about, you know, how you guys, how you guys use that word. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's helping like we're like Mike is saying to generate your own luck in a way and generate opportunities by just being kind, like uh, a, a good friend and mentor of ours, uh, Pam Marciero taught us early on that there's three things you really need to do as to just make sure you get work. Be prepared, you know, mm-hmm. practice, uh, show up on time yeah, and and just be nice. Like it's that simple. If you do those three things, you're going to get work. Um, it may take a while to get the work you want, but if you show that you're, you're, you know, skilled and prepared or hardworking, at least people mm-hmm. are going to give you an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that helped us get a lot of opportunities was just, we showed up eager and hungry and we're we're too big of jerks to to get called so yeah yeah you're that something else that i i think i was listening to another uh podcast interview that you guys that you guys gave forget what one it might have been but you know you were saying that sometimes you know a a group will come to you and they'll ask for something and it's a pretty impossible request right like the turnaround time is ridiculous or 
you know, the material isn't available or is hard to get. Mm -hmm. Um, and it could be easy at that moment to say, nope, sorry, you're out of, you're out of luck. We can't do this. You have to find somebody else. But what I heard you guys say multiple times in that interview that I heard is that you don't say no, you're, you're truthful though about the realities of the situation, but then you offer another solution or you offer another option. And I think that that's really important because it shows that you are willing to, to work with, you know, somebody who needs something, but you're able to be flexible, right? The flexibility, the ability to pivot, the ability to think creatively on your feet, um, and not say no flat out and then lose that relationship. Yeah. There are very few times we've said no flat out. And it's, it's usually a, we can't do it this way, but we could do it that way. Um, if you extend your deadline or if you simplify your design, like there are a lot of things we can talk about if you're really into us, help you solve this creative problem. Yeah. 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 So that is, that's, I mean, that's so, that's so important, that flexibility. Again, I go back to flexibility because it's not only in those, in those types of moments where you have somebody coming to you with a brief that you can't, that you can't fill the way it's written. Right. And you have to think, uh, think more creatively and help them understand, but it's also running a business, right. As well. Right. Being flexible, being willing to being able to pivot, being able to think on your feet and say, man, like this isn't working, this isn't possible, mm. but maybe if we did this, maybe if we looked at it from, from this angle, right? Right. Cause you're constantly faced with these creative problems all of the time, whether it's, whether it's in your day-to-day operations or in your, in your creative work. Yeah. And we've spent a lot of time uh, perfecting, communication with clients so that no one so that everyone knows what they're paying for and so that everyone knows what they're doing what we're responsible for what they're responsible for so that we don't get to a point in a project where we feel like we're finished and the client thinks there's a bunch more work to do (laughs) right and because that's the the communication of everything is is very important so that everyone is happy at the end you know yeah, transparency in that process is mm-hmm. is what I'm hearing there. What would you guys say to younger creatives who, you know, are trying, who are who are starting to get work, um, and maybe it's even the work that they've been really hoping for, but they're not really tight on those processes, and they find themselves in um, tough circumstances or disappointing circumstances uh, because they weren't tight and clear and transparent with the client on the scope of the project or the budget Mm -hmm. of the project or whatever it is. What would you, what would you say to those guys to give them an idea of how they can tighten up and why that's important? Yeah, I mean, what we try and do in the beginning is do something called a scope of work, which lots of our clients provide us with, but sometimes when they don't, we'll provide them with one, which is as detailed of a description of the work that we're going to provide for them. 
um, so that the client can ask that. Early on, the client can say, well, this isn't there. I want to make sure it's there. And then if that's something that maybe we didn't budget for, early on, we can say, okay, we, we didn't really budget for that, but we can definitely do that. Or it, it's clear that your budget can support some things, but not all of the things. It's really trying to like, even though sometimes talking about money is uncomfortable, especially when it comes to creative work, because we we all feel lucky to be working in the industry. Yeah. It's still a reality of it. And we have to make sure that we're, we're getting paid for the work that we're doing because us or even us as a growing company before we were the size we were us undervaluing our work isn't going to help anyone um, in the industry right because then everyone out there is going to think that puppets cost a hundred dollars and that they're not a bespoke custom thing that costs thousands of dollars because you have multiple people working many hours to provide the the art and yeah. the creative work that is done so like really trying to get into that as early as you can is 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 one of the more helpful things I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then knowing when it's on you to fix something, meaning, you know, yeah, this was us, we made a mistake and you just fix it because that's the right thing to do um, versus communicating to them like, well, what you're asking for isn't what we originally agreed upon, but we're happy to, we're happy to help you achieve that. It would just cost a little more money. Right. Um, and I, 99% of our clients are happy to have those conversations, with, which is great. And if they're not, it's usually because they're just not at the point in their business or whatever they're growing to be able to to really do what they want to do. And right. hopefully we help them learn that Understand and they that. come back to us in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, would you say the the same kind of stuff? As yeah. Yeah. Mike is creating protections and, and, being upfront, uh, like Mike has said, is is essential. Um, and learning what those barriers are, setting up um, like timelines too within a, a scope of work. Like, forgive me if you said this, Mike, because I was fidgeting mm -hmm. with my microphone to try and make it a little better. Um, uh, setting up like payment uh, schedules and whatnot, because we've mm -hmm. been burned by companies that were like, "Oh, we're we're going to pay you on a net ninety and on top of that, we're not even going to pay you till after everything's delivered. So then you're waiting three plus months to get paid. And get paid. we as small, you know, artisanal creators, we don't have a stock of stuff lying around and we don't have a stockpile of money lying around to be like, okay, I'm going to pay my employees. Cause yeah, especially once you get into having coworkers or employees that need to be paid, you can't leave them hanging. Right. They're, they're not going to, it's not going to benefit anyone. They're going to be starving. They're not yeah. going to want to work with you again. They're going to yeah. do only the bare minimum work. Right. Um, so, so figuring out those things. And uh, we learned early on that even with some of these giant companies that are used to dealing with net 60 or net 90, um, uh, and this is something I learned. So uh, it's basically that means that they won't pay you until like 60 or 90 days after the invoice. Yep. Um, I was going to say, can you, for people who aren't, who aren't sure, yeah, what is sure. net? net and then a number yep it's um, the pay is the period of pay yep yeah um so to you can often go to these companies and be like hey we're not you know silo we're not making we don't have a warehouse full of cups or we're not whatever you know where you have product already ready we need money up front to get started so right we depending on the client 
set up a pay schedule. Like most commonly, it's 40% to start, 40% halfway through the project, and then 20 upon delivery. So they can see, hey, the work is happening. You're, you're getting your money's worth. This isn't us taking all the money at the front and running off to Mexico or something. <laughs> um, right. So yeah, and, and, and also uh, the other similar protection is deciding what, especially earlier in your career, what exposure is worth because we all, always hear is new yeah. artists or artists in general, like, Hey, you'll get exposure for this. We still get calls like that where clients are like, Hey, this is a chance for you to get seen. And we're like, <laughs> we're good. We're freezing right. from all the exposure. Right. We're seeing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that we don't sometimes maybe uh, bend our, our rules if we really want to work with a client, but it's mm-hmm. usually more because we love what they're doing or or what they're putting out in the world. So we'll be like, sure, we'll we'll do this for a lesser cost or right. mm-hmm. you know, bend over backwards and do late nights to make this happen. Right. Um, you know, SNL is an example of that. Uh, we especially the early years before we set up a regular SNL crew, we would be here a lot of late nights getting stuff done because we really wanted to work on the show. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. so you need to figure out as a young professional what what's what you're willing to do what you're willing to give up in the short run so that right. it hopefully could benefit you in the long run right but i think you have to be really clear about you know why you're making those decisions mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you know like and that and that all goes into you know your your comfortability of talking about money and what you need and finances, right? It all gets wrapped up into that. So whenever you make a decision to do something for free, right? Or at a lower cost, right? You're subsidizing that out of your own pocket, right? Or out of your company's budget, right? It's not, it's not, I'm doing this for free. It's I'm choosing to take away from from some other pot in order to do this for so you have to be clear about it you just mm-hmm. you know you shouldn't you shouldn't just you shouldn't just make these decisions and i like the way that you're framing you're framing this part of the conversation up as protection right the this is this is this is not because i'm a jerk and like i want to make things difficult for the client or for my employees or for for myself it's because right. i need to protect yeah myself my assets Mm -hmm. right and my energy right right so it's it's a really cool reframe of the of the the concept of you know why we have these processes why we have these rules and things like that it's protection and a little advice for anyone that's making tangible creative work um i don't know how many people think about about this but if someone asks you to make something and they don't have the amount of money that um they might need to pay you to make it um but they do have some and you do want to work with them you can always do some sort of rental or ownership deal so that you make this for them they hang it or put it in whatever space they need or use it for whatever show they're doing but you actually get it back like it's yours you own it they're just kind of paying for the labor for you to make it. Yeah, um, they're okay. not paying for ownership of the image or ownership of the. So, so as creatives start to create their own visuals and things, like remember that you can separate your 
physical work from the ownership of it and stuff mm. like that. And that's a, that's a good way to, if you really want to work with someone for a lower price to, to do that and hopefully get the exposure, but then also retain the work and maybe be able to rent it again or, or, or sell it afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you can put in a clause of, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, uh, you know, of even beyond owning the physical item, also ownership of the IP. So um, if they have you design it from scratch, if they don't come to you with uh, an inherent design, you could say, yeah, sure, I can do it for this, this discount, but I own the IP and any merchandising or any mm-hmm. rights, re- you know, stay with me. Mm-hmm. So that if you want to go and use this in the future on a show or it suddenly blows up and you're making money off of it, you can then get that money back um, mm-hmm. for your work, um, yeah. hopefully. It, that's always a gamble because you never know sure. what's going to be successful. Um, but you can, uh, as we've gotten bigger, we've been able to do things like that or just be bought out. Like you can be like, all right, you can own this design, but it's going to cost you more than the puppet. You know, mm-hmm. we'll do this puppet, but then you got to pay this much more on top to then own the rights to that design. And then, right. Because you're buying the idea then essentially yeah. at that moment, right? You're buying mm-hmm. somebody else's, you know, thinking and creativity um and taking that away from taking that away from them and their ability to use the idea again in some way mm-hmm. yeah 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 that's really cool there's so many different ways that you can go about you know making sure that you're compensated for your creative energy and work mm-hmm. um and you shouldn't ever feel that you're being you know let down in terms of in terms of you know your efforts for for pay yeah it's it's so hard to do as as a new young artist but you you have to fight for your 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 ownership your work your your right to your work and your worth yeah and it's Mm -hmm. you like we've been saying you gotta decide where you want to gamble and be like sure i'll do this for cheap or free because i can see the path that's going to lead me to more work or more experience like we sometimes do work for cheaper because we're like hey we've never built one of these before yeah this this will we're investing in essence in our own development by saying all right we want to learn how to use a servo we're going to build this new thing with the servo at a cheaper price for this client because that way we can afford to make mistakes and hopefully we learn something and then in the future can be like yeah we can build you eight of those things with servos we have experience right and now the fee or the price is Mm -hmm is this much greater because we mm-hmm. have a certain level of expertise and experience in working with these things. Yeah. And, or you so. get more opportunities, right? Like, cause you know, that just opened so many more doors, doors. Um, we, one thing we've learned just to piggyback on that thought is we, we already knew puppetry and puppet building was a very comprehensive art form. Um, as my friend Jen likes to say, it's you utilize everything, design, fabrication sculpture performance singing direction does like painting like almost all art forms wind up playing in some way into puppetry and similarly prop making and whatnot so regardless of what your passion is getting out there and learning as many different media styles and and art forms is only going to benefit you even if only to inform how you do your work and how you relate to other people because you know say you really want to be an actor go learn how to build a set go learn what it takes to rig something go learn you know 
about what the musicians have to do because right. when you get out there you're going to appreciate that much more what they do and also maybe not get in their way or maybe be able to help them or maybe spot a danger down the road because you're like hey that that's done incorrect right um, right and or you can find work on the side yeah and still stay in the industry if you're like mm-hmm. hey i'm not getting a lot of acting gigs but but i have these I can, skills yeah i can help build the set this week and right. so i'm still going to make money off of this instead of having to go and sell shoes you right. know right right because that's so important to maintain your ability to stay within the community and stay within stay within the industry but what's more important in what you were just saying, I think, is being willing to learn and expand and grow. And again, I go back to in my mind that that willingness to be to be flexible, because not only is it going to inform your own craft and your own work, but it's going to give you more opportunities to to experience um, to experience different things and have and have work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, guys, this totally. was an awesome conversation. I really, really appreciate your your time and your sharing your experiences and your knowledge. Um, can you let everybody know where they can find out more about you and your work and direct mm-hmm. them to, to where they can like hunt you down? Yeah, it's probably uh, our website's monkeyboysproductions.com um, spelled normally with testes. <laughs> and our, also, uh, in, yeah, go ahead. Mark. You can also find us on Instagram. Uh, we post semi-regularly there. Uh, one of our employees, Steffi, uh, she's one of those hip young kids who understands how the internets work. We <laughs> thought it was a series of tubes, um, <laughs> but she creates all sorts of great uh, uh, pictures and video uh, awesome. setups to show what we're working on and what we have worked on in the past. So awesome. yeah, it's worth checking out. And if Is anyone's, any... Go sorry, ahead, sorry. Say, if anyone's <laughs> interested during pandemic, because we didn't have a lot of, the normal work that we do we created um some do what your diy puppet kits oh, I saw so that. we have yeah. a whole separate uh version portion of the company that we call mvp diy which does have its own instagram as well um and we have and also lots of people would call us and ask for puppets that they couldn't afford so we developed these so that people could make their own puppets and learn more about puppetry and puppet building and they range from i think the low end for a puppet kit which includes almost everything you need is about i think about 30 to 40 dollars oh wow upwards to about 200 dollars for like all the materials and stuff that you would need to build your own puppet that's so cool see everybody way to like pivot during a disastrous annoying time and keep yourself solvent right and give people the ability to be creative on their own yeah that's really cool is there anything um that is coming up for you guys that we can like keep our eye out for one of your creations or is everything we just, buttoned uh, down? On WHYY, a show we uh, designed and built some of the puppets for called Elby's Elevator. Cool. Uh, it's a kid's show uh, that just came out uh, last month, I guess. A couple months ago. Yeah, a month or two ago. Um, uh, you can check that out uh, both awesome. on HYY or on YouTube. Um, hopefully the writer's strike gets resolved and the producers uh, yeah. start paying people. And yeah. uh, you'll see us on SNL. We're up there pretty much every uh, weekend awesome. uh, that they shoot that and um what else we got going on a lot of our stuff is heavy nda stuff so we yeah we can't even mention it let alone say go look at this but um yeah just know that if you go to uh amusement parks around the world you, yeah it's there. there's a good chance you might see our work 
Awesome. Yeah. Guys, I will include all of that stuff in the show notes, a link to the LB's elevator show too, and all of your social channels um, so that people can check you out. But this has been great. Thanks so much for totally. spending a little bit of time with me. All right, everybody, this has been the Bold Creatives Collective Podcast. I'm so glad that you joined us and I hope that you are able to take a lot of this stuff away and apply it to your own creative practice and business. Uh, until next time, everybody, see you later. Bye.